what have you branded yourself around or what have you seen that your audience seems to be generally interested in that you can monetize in a way that makes sense to your brand? If you're like, a lot of my fans are like young kids who are into video games, maybe I should sell like video game controller skins to them or something, right? With my logo on it, my album artwork on it, something like that, right? So you can get creative with the product. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Kosh. This is the Creative Breakthrough Podcast. This podcast was created to eliminate the starving artists and give creatives the codes to build audiences, cash flow, and make a living doing what they love. Today, I have Jacory. He is the co-founder of Contraband. And Jacory, I want you to give people an introduction of really what it is that you do. I'm co-founder of Contraband Agency, which is a content consulting agency that also offers digital marketing to artists to help grow their, their music fan base. I'm also a contributor to the Brandman Network platform, which is a YouTube channel with over 100,000 subscribers where we teach artists and walk artists through marketing concepts from a, from a baseline level so they can understand enough to either do it themselves or, you know, understand enough to know to come hire people like us and, and work with us on their campaigns. Right. So how would you, how would you describe yourself in one word? In one word, man, man, that's a good question, man. In one word, I guess I would say patient. I think I'm patient. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a good quality to have for <laughs> what you do. Cause I, I work in, I do enough marketing to know that it requires a lot of patience. So, yeah. so the game is like 80% patience, like for real, for real. Even like when it's going well, it's still like a game of patience. Yeah. Facts. Facts. So, okay. You said going well. So like, can you give people an idea of what, going well and being patient looks like versus not or i guess versus being patient and it not going well yeah so i think the the patient thing applies to like two aspects right so when i say patient when things are going well like in marketing there's always like your your short-term results and then kind of like the long-term results that you're looking for like whatever the, the bigger picture is and you can have short-term wins that may not necessarily look like what you want your long-term win to look like or be but they're indicators that if things continue to go to where they're going, you will hit that big term picture at some point. And whatever that is, right? Like it's different from person to person, but it could be as simple as like you want to grow an extra 30,000 followers. You know, your ad got you 5,000 followers this month or whatever. So that there is patience within like the success. And then on the other side of it, there's an aspect where things may not be going well. And now we have to experiment or we have to like try some things that maybe didn't, we didn't want to initially go with, with like the first run. And we have to be patient through that process of like of troubleshooting pretty much and, and going like, why isn't this doing the thing that we want it to do? Why isn't this going the way we want it to go? So both of those require like a different type of patience, but still patience nonetheless, right? No, that's great. That's, that's a great way to put it. I think talking about like running an ad and getting a certain number of engagement or a certain number of followers is a good way to say like, hey, this is our goal. And if we meet it, then awesome. We knocked it out right away. But if we don't, we still are seeing that there's value here behind what we're doing. Based on the fact that you kind of understand the difference at this point in your career, when do you think you achieved your first creative breakthrough? Man, I've worked on a couple of different creative fields, even before I started on marketing. Like I've done enough things in the music space that have allowed me to kind of express creativity in different ways. I would say in the marketing aspect specifically, so there was a point in time where I was I was managing a, a rapper. And so that was my first like management gig and probably like one of the first times where I got to see like certain ins and outs of the music industry and how certain stuff works. Just because that artist at the time had a song that was doing really well on SoundCloud and it started getting him a lot of attention. So we started having like different 
marketing people reach out to us and they would have these conversations with us be like hey i can get you on like you know these twitter accounts and i can get you on these meme pages and i can do playlisting and i'm like i could do all that stuff bro. like i understand kind of internet or culture well enough to be able to string that stuff together so i was like yo is that what these marketing companies do right they just kind of like stream together different i guess like mediums to, to get people to see something and that was pretty much the answer i kept coming to after every conversation so from that point i was like oh i, I understand enough about this to at least try to execute it i'm running my first ads i'm reaching out to my first influencers trying to create like meme campaigns and things like that. I would say my first successful creative idea, at least in the marketing space, probably came about a year and a half after that. Like I, I found success pretty early early on in the marketing space. Like my probably like my second campaign ever um, ended up being, being like a pretty pretty successful campaign. Like the the artist was pretty much like launched from like ground zero. He had like this massively viral moment. I mean I'm talking about like, you know, maybe close to like eighty to hundred million views across like different social platforms and things like that. And that was my second campaign. But that was just a kind of a combination of like different meme ideas I had, like different spaces that I kind of felt like he made the most sense for and kind of helped him execute there. I think you touched on a lot of important points. One thing that I want to kind of circle back on is it sounds like you were just curious, right? So it's like, you know, I'm working with this artist and these people are contacting him because he's gaining traction. And so I'm just asking these people, like, what are you doing? And then yeah. they're telling me. And now I'm just like, okay, yeah. Like I have the skill set to do a number of these things that you guys are offering as services. So it's like, why do we even need that at all? And the answer I think was you didn't. Like there's some truth to that. It, it maybe also was a little deeper just because we couldn't afford to do that as well. You know, like to be real at the time, like what some of those agencies were asking for was, was completely out of their artist uh, budget range. So it wasn't even a case of like, I have the skill set to do it. It was like, oh, we can't afford it, but I think I understand it enough to try to do it. And then it just happened to work. I'm like, oh, I do understand this. I do get how this works. Great. I can do it for you. You know, so it, it was more of like that. You know, we had the money for it at the time. We probably would have let them do it. But if you would have let them do it, do you think you would have achieved the same results? That's a good question, man. Maybe, you know, like I don't think that a lot of the stuff I was doing for that artist at the time was like particularly groundbreaking just because of budget reasons again. Like some of these things can only kind of go so far. But I think that if I hadn't had to do that, I maybe wouldn't have known that I was good at marketing and gotten as interested into it to get to where I'm at. So that was my first like real experience with like trying to run a marketing company. And I was like, oh, I get this. Like I'm doing this. Like I should maybe see where this goes for me. You know what I'm saying? Like keep following it. Yeah, it's like being curious, but then also being like, like, fuck it. Like, we don't have any other options, so I'm going to try it. And then you do it, and then you're like, oh, this is kind of fine, which is cool. I think it's always really cool to, like, like kind of engineer things on your own, and then they work. And they don't always work. So speaking of that, I want to understand, like, when you first started, like, what did what did failure look like, or what did you fail at? Man, I would say probably the first big failure was understanding exactly what each marketing I wanted to provide in terms of like value. So like there would be things that like I maybe would think should be getting done or would, you know, there'd be like a game plan or direction that I might see when a person would like ask to work with me. But then it could be completely left in terms of like what they were looking for for their goals. So I may have been like, hey, let's build this like foundational brand awareness campaign where we can figure out how to scale your followers and, and email list or something. And they're just like, bro, I just want my streams to go up. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, well, this thing that I did, maybe doesn't impact that in the same way. 
So I, I was pretty bad at it early on, but it was it was more of an experience thing. Like I didn't had a I hadn't had enough campaigns be completed to be able to see like what impact like certain things had on certain things. Versus like fast forward today, I can pretty much like start mapping out certain services based on like what people are telling me what their goals are because I know what has an impact on what. Because at the time, like you know, you start with like what you know how to do. So I think when I first started doing marketing, I was mainly focusing on like playlisting and influencer campaigns. Like so because those are the things like. I understood like really easily and really quickly. And just from an entry level standpoint, like it's not hard to build up a network of playlist curators and, and influencers and then tell people how to do influence marketing, how to do playlists. So it was an easy end for me. And there would be times where now looking back on it, I would try to get people to do those things or do it for people that it probably didn't make sense for at that time. Like now knowing what I don't know, like, I, I understand what certain things kind of fit in the equation and like when certain things make a lot more sense to be done, by the time I'm just like, oh, you got the money for it, you want to try it, let's do it, right? And it may not have even made sense for a particular client at the time. So I, I made a lot of those mistakes, but they helped me to see that a lot better today. Now I can map things out pretty, pretty well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely mapping them out is important. And I think the overarching theme of what you said is like, just do it. Like, you know, yeah. like just start. Like, it doesn't mean you have to know every piece of the strategy if somebody's coming to you to solve a problem and you have some knowledge in that area to help them they're gonna pay you to do that and they're relying on you to do that the way i like to look at it is you can only teach people at the level that you're learning yeah and so it's like teach while you learn right because if you if you spend all the time going and learning then you end up being one of those people who like they go to college and then they go to graduate school and then they do all these courses and then they never actually like are able to monetize it if at all like i always think of that kanye skit where he's like i'm 52 and these degrees keep me warm at night it's not a knock on like certain professions that need college but when you work in the creative industry it, a lot of this stuff is trial and error. A lot of it is learning from the people before you, learning from the smartest people who have ever done it, studying videos, studying trends. And I think that's why you're successful too, is because you kind of intuitively did that. Yeah, I mean, it, that, that in itself is what we try to tell people who want to get into the, the space like that we're in. Is like, if you feel like you're at a, at a two, right and you may feel like i don't offer any real value because i'm seeing all these people who are like sixes and sevens and eights and nines and tens it's like well all the people who feel like they're zeros and ones will listen to you and, and pay you for your work right and then doing that work for them might be what pushes you to a five and then you can work with all the fours and below and then working with them that becomes the, the game especially in the creative space where like most people aren't able to just like jump into jobs and get the hands-on experience the same way you can in other industries it's like you have to kind of create those opportunities for yourself to get the experience that makes more people take you seriously, you know? But I think like what you said about phrasing it, like, hey, I'm learning is important in that, in that aspect. Cause I know when I first started growing my brand, that was the way I talked about it. I would be like, hey, I'm not an expert. I'm not someone that is like hundred percent accurate on this. I'm a person that's like figuring it out and you can like watch me in real time, like figure it out. And then now the language has changed because I've been doing it for a lot longer, but like that narrative will make it easier to have an unsuccessful campaign. The artists that came to me already came to me under the guise that I was somebody figuring this out and like learning it, you know? So versus like if I told them like I was an expert and things went wrong, then like the conversation kind of changes, right? So it helps, man. Like most artists are understanding of that. If they're not like not assholes about just everything, a lot of people understand they get what they pay for, you know? So like, a really early thing I would say to people at the time, be like, I'm only charging, I don't know, let's say like $300 to do the service for you. 
And there'd be certain things where, like, they would maybe ask something. I'm like, man, if I was doing that amount of work, like, it would be way more than three hundred dollars. Like, I'll just be real with you. You know what I'm saying? I'll be, I'll be charging at least triple that. I mean, they kind of that clicks in the head. Like, damn, you're right. But they end up being your first case studies and your first like real proof of like, hey, like I know what I'm talking about. Like, I, I do understand. This, you know what I'm saying? This is working out like exactly like I, I saw it in my head. Yeah, and you're setting expectations. And also, I think what a lot of people don't do that shows up is. Like people don't clarify who they're working with enough. Like it's okay to tell people like, I don't do this. And, or this isn't for this type of person. And a lot of ads, you may not see that, but I think when you start to see ads or you start to talk to people who say like, yo, if you're looking to do X, Y, Z, that's not something I do. Then yeah. I think you can trust that person more. They're not trying to be a generalist. They're trying to be a specialist at one thing. So yeah. I want to get into more like strategies because I, I like to give people like practical information. So you said that you had a campaign that did incredibly well. Like that's like an A plus home run thing in terms of virality. So like what, when you work with new artists or when an artist comes on board with you, what, what kind of analysis do you do to see like what you should implement? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think the first place we start with is, is the artist like ground zero or like a couple of feet away from ground zero? Are they an artist that already is established and has some traction built, has some data built up? If they're more ground zero, then we have to go do research on people who we think they might be kind of similar to, right? So building like a targeted artist list or looking at other campaigns we've worked before that have been similar to the artist and seeing what we can kind of extract from those to like help this person out. If they have data already or they're already more established, then we're looking at like their social media data, their DSP analytics and like things like that. So from there, the very first point of contention is budget. Like I always tell people like everything starts with the budget, just to be real. There's no point in me planning for a five thousand dollar campaign, you only have eight hundred dollars, you know what I'm saying? So because like knowing what how much that is to spend allows me to figure out what makes the most sense to put this money into so we'll start there like budget how much you're working with what do you have to allocate for like this period and then what do you have to allocate for i like asking people what it has for the next six months because that loosens them up people are weird when you, when you start asking questions about budget but when you ask them in like the terms of like six months like it loosens them up about it so getting the budget question out of the way we'll then kind of start from like what else what other assets are they going to be providing to us like is it just all you have to work with is like a music video and the audio clip or do you have like 10 TikTok videos, like a video of Tyler, the creator, like shouting you out. And then like, I don't know, like some footage from a concert where like a fan did some really cool shit. Like, like what do you have in terms of like content assets? Because then that determines if we're able to run like certain types of influencer campaigns, maybe even like what ad campaigns make the most sense. And then I'll say the last thing we probably look at is where is the artist the most active in terms of spending their, their energy? Just personally, I'm a believer in... 80% of the marketing budget should be spent wherever the artist is spending 80% of their time and energy because a large component of marketing is somebody needs to be there to interact with the traffic to win over the people who weren't just like won over by like the ad. Like there are people who may see your content and they like it enough to come look at you, they don't like it enough to convert all the way. But then coming to look at you and then maybe they like, they're like, oh shit, like cautious, I'm live. I'm gonna hop in his live real quick and ask him a question. And you answer that like, oh yeah, this dude's dope. I'm gonna, now I'm gonna go buy a lock in for whatever the thing was, right? So there's an element of that where like the artist needs to be there for their process. They have to be there responding to DMs and like doing certain things to kind of convert these people. So it's like if an artist is like, hey, I spend most of my time on Instagram, 
and I don't really post on TikTok. It's like, well, we don't need to run a TikTok ad. Let's just stick to Instagram then because this is, this is where you're at. So it's usually a combination of that. How far along are they already so we can know how much data we can use? What is the budget? What do they have to work with in terms of like assets? And then like where are they kind of spending their energy and putting their time into? Yeah, no, that's great. That's great advice and also I think great thinking because I think people get so caught up on being on every platform mm-hmm. and it's like for what? Like, especially when you're just starting. If you've establish some traction there then it makes sense but like you said talking to the audience and engaging with the people who are interested in what you have is going to make much more of a difference than just spreading yourself across all the platforms because people like you said jumping in the live asking a question in the live and then me answering that question or whoever that person is answering that question that's like showing people oh okay so this person actually is willing to talk back they're not snobby they're not uppity and I can build a real relationship here because people want to see, like they want to be connected with the people that they listen to now. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like, it's like you're, you're a real person, right? And so the, the thing that we'll explain to our, a lot of artists is that you have to understand there's a really thick trust barrier when someone first discovers you, right? It's like, I just learned about you all of 10 seconds ago. Like, my wall is still kind of up. And so it's like, you do little things like respond to DMs and even like posting content makes people more trusting of you because like this person is, must not be doing shady shit because he's kind of at least keep putting himself out there, him, him or herself out there, right? So it's like, those little things like break down the trust barrier that makes the person that maybe wasn't going to convert today convert or, you know, maybe makes the person convert like two, three, four, five months down the line from now. If you understand like kind of like user behavior and how people think about the stuff that they're seeing, which most people don't respond well to like ads. Most people don't like ads, you know, but it's like if I found you through a, an advertisement, you already are kind of like not a real person to me. If that makes sense, it's like you are like this, this figure on a screen and people don't just trust in figures on some people do, but most people don't just trust you because you're a figure on the screen. It takes a little bit deeper of some type of engagement for them to go like, oh, you are a person. You are a human being. I will now interact with you. Right. And so that goes a long way. That goes a very long way. We've seen that make a huge difference in like conversions on campaigns just between like the artist who's willing to respond to every DM and like do the lives and like post content and stay active while the marketing is happening versus like the artist that goes like dark and they're relying solely on the marketing to drive everything and it's like you can do that like it's possible it's just expensive you want things to be as cheap as they possibly can be and convert as high as they can it's like both elements need to be happening at the same time you as the artist need to be engaging and doing things to keep the traffic satisfied and entertaining and we as marketers need to continue pushing the traffic to you so you can keep you can keep doing that no that's no that's great because i was gonna i was gonna segue that into like if you're an artist who's at ground zero just starting or very little you know traction at this point like what are some strategies that you would give to help them and i think one is definitely responding to people like out the gate like that's not even a question but do you have anything else that you could give people that could be implemented i know this is generally speaking but most of the time when people look at marketing information it's like yeah so you would sell this if you're selling weight loss or you would sell this if you're selling like dog products and it's never like it never speaks to creators yeah the two spaces that we like to start figuring out their content strategy and figuring out an advertising strategy just because content is free, right? So if you figure out how to scale up a content strategy, you can continue doing it for no money or, or very little money. And then advertisements can be ran within any budget range. So you can spend a $200 ad if that's all you have. You can spend a $2,000 ad if you have happen to get the money at, at some point in time, right? So 
that framework sets it up to where you need a very minimal amount of money to grow yourself. Because like you have, if you're developing a content strategy that's working for you organically, and they're using the ads to just put eyes on your content, like that's going to that's going to snowball. Assuming everything is like working out, and it's typically like very very cost effective for like most artists. And then it's easy for us to communicate to them like, hey, if you want this to increase, you either have to post more or you have to put more money into the advertisement. So that's usually where we like to start artists. And then from there, we may jump into like influencers and stuff like that. The, the only reason we don't like starting influencers, starting with influencers for most ground zero artists is that they're pretty volatile. Like they're, they're also at the mercy of the different platforms and the algorithm. So it's, it's a lottery ticket, right? Like I've paid lots of money for posts that have done well. I paid lots of money for posts that have not done well. And so it's, the, the risk is different when you're working with an artist. When you pay, you know, $1,000 for an influencer post for an artist that has a 4K budget versus like an artist that has a $1,300 budget. Like the, the impact and the severity of it performing or not performing well is a lot, is a, is a lot greater, right? So the ads allow us to be able to like control things in a very stable way and be able to like make sure things build out in a way that like we actually can, can control the output of that just to build trust in the beginning. And then it also gives us data to then be able to say like, what directions we should be looking at for other stuff. And then going back to if your ad is doing well at like $5 a day, and I tell you, you should put 50 a day into it. We can both assume it's going to do at least, you know, what is that? At least 10 times, eight to 10 times as well, you know, once we scale up. So that 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 makes the most sense for, like, I would say 90% of artists are complete ground zero because they're probably working with, like, less than a $500 budget a month. And it's like so much of that can be offset by, like, one good piece of content. Like, like we've had clients do things off of just their content strategy. They have cost other clients, like, thousands and thousands of dollars, you know. And the ideal client, or the ideal artist is the one that does both. Like they're figuring out the content, they're making up for what we can't spend off of the organic, and then they're at least having some type of baseline high converting ad running in the background just to continue feeding traffic to, to their content and the stuff that they're posting. You said a lot of things there, so I want to unpack some of that. But like when you talk about, you know, somebody, there's no minimum ad spend, right? So like if somebody puts up $200 on ads, what does that look like per day? And how many different pieces of content should they be running? Yeah, so the, the the daily spend is is a harder one to kind of map out. I like to look at things in terms of either two weeks or a month. Mostly, like, on the agency side, we're looking at it from, like, a month, month over month standpoint. If we're doing, like, some micro-testing or, like, I'm, like, helping a homie out, like, two weeks or so. Just because you need at least, I would say, like, three to five days of testing to be able to be sure on if this thing is going to work or if it's not going to work and you need to kind of fix it or, or do something else. So usually we try to figure the testing phase out $150 or less. Most of the times it happens. And when it doesn't, we figure it out. <laughs> we figure it out from there. But pretty much you want to have ideally at least three to four pieces of content, I think, because when you're running an ad strategy, you need enough to be able to see like, hey, is it that my content is the reason this isn't working? Is it that I'm targeting the wrong people? Or is it that people don't like this particular song that I'm pushing? And so the more pieces of content you have, the more that you can map out. I got four different pieces of content that are all doing bad. Okay, maybe it's the content, right? Or I got four pieces of content, three are doing bad, and this one is doing well. Okay, well, it's at least not, you know what I'm saying? It's not all the content. This is doing great. All right, it's still not converting well. Am I pushing into the wrong people? Let me try this audience. Okay, great. It's working better now. I mean, my streams aren't going as crazy. Maybe it's the song or maybe people don't resonate. I, I, people aren't resonating with like I want them to. Maybe it's the song, right? So you need enough of that in place to be able to make that assumption as fast as possible. So at least three or four pieces of content and at least 100 to $150 to be able to test, I would say, and then at least another two or 300 beyond that to be able to like scale up things if you see it like working out. 
And then from there, I just feel like the sky's the limit. Like, I would tell people, if, it's, if once you figure out if something is working, the game becomes how much money can you put into it. When things are not working, the game becomes how can I fix this in as little money as possible. That is super valuable. Thank you for sharing that. Because I think, you know, like you said, when you're just starting out or you, you know, are working at FedEx to make your bread, you might have $500 to spend just to make, get your music off the ground. So the fact that you're like, yo, you can spend $150 over the course of a month is like, that's reasonable, I think, for most people. I wanted to ask you too, what are the biggest misconceptions that you see that artists have about marketing their music? One being, and this is usually for the super green ones, but one being that it doesn't cost anything, which I would tell artists like marketing is probably outside of like, you know, like production and things that actually affect the music. That's the, easily the biggest expense that, that you'll have in, in anything that you do. Two, I think is that, that it's like a magic bullet type of thing where it's like, hey, I'm just going to like, set these ads up and like and hit a button like magically people are going to be flowing in and like and they love you and everything is like it's possible like it does happen but it doesn't happen all the time like the marketing to me is is, is bringing enough attention to something to see like what should be fixed around it to make it work better hey you have this song that you think could be the next big thing let's put a hundred thousand eyes on it and, and, and see from there but only if only so many people like it from there we can make the decision over where to go so because of that marketing is a long-term play We'll tell people when they come to work with us, like, if you want to come do, like, a one-month campaign, you essentially are paying for the testing phase, like, pretty much, right? Because in that first month, we're troubleshooting. We're trying to figure out what makes sense where and what, what's going to convert the best way and all this stuff. And it's like, there are campaigns where things work immediately out the gate. And that's, that's beautiful. It's, it's amazing when it happens. But most of them don't always work out like that, right? It may take you a week or two of, of putting something together. And then by the time that's been figured out, and now you have two weeks of that working and now things are over. You're killing off the momentum that we had just started to build up. So we try to prep clients to look at like, hey, you can do these one-off campaigns, but really, ideally, you're, you're mapping out for at least three months or longer because there are going to be things that we do today that you don't even see the impact of for another three months, six months, nine months. And it's going to feel like today that it's not worth it. But then down the line, you're like, oh, shit, like that came from this. Like, okay, like that makes, that makes, that, that, that worked, right? Like it, it did what it did. So the time aspect of it, kills a lot of people because they either don't have the patience to stick it out or they've been like misinformed on certain things or they've done certain marketing things that move the needle a lot faster and they assume like everything works that way and so that's usually the the biggest like limiting belief to get over with most like newer artists is like hey like this shit is gonna take a while even if you, things are going amazing for you like it's gonna take a while you know what i'm saying so so we 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 do a pretty good job i think of explaining that to people most of our clients get that and they're kind of there. Going back to like what you said, you attract people that kind of believe in like your philosophy and those are the people you work with. And then we have ones that don't get it. And we're just like, okay, well, we're not going to keep working with you because you're not, you know, you're not about to be upset with us about something. We, we try to explain to you about how it works and stuff like that. But those are the biggest ones, man. Like budget is always is involved 95% of the time when it comes to marketing, unless you talk about content marketing specifically. There's always going to be some money put up, you know, in, in one way or another. I mean, like, you you have to go into your marketing campaign not with, a like, one – I don't even think, like, a two-week or a one-month mindset, but, like, a three-month mindset, six-month mindset, nine-month mindset, year mindset. Because if you're willing to go into it that way and stick it out long enough, that's typically when you see the results that you want to see. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. I think it sounds like what you were saying. A lot of this is testing. And yeah. no matter how much experience you have, you're testing because – 
people are fickle they they change like things change all the time and you can't expect to just push the button and it to work all the time you brought this up too it's like when you have that artist that does that that artist might just be that they might just have the it factor like they just have a talent at capturing attention and multiplying attention every artist doesn't have that and so you have to figure out strategies to help them get over that hump so to speak so I want to get into, I want to shift that because we talked a lot about like spending money to increase your awareness and engagement. How would you say that using marketing can make you money? Like how do you make money doing music marketing as an independent artist? Well, you mean like how can they use the marketing to make themselves money? Yeah. Yeah, so like the short answer is like that there has to be a product or something to sell to people. Because if you're looking at your streams to make you money back off your marketing, most of the times it's not. So either becomes like a long term catalog play and you're like mm-hmm. building up enough of, of people that are listening to like multiple songs for you that like two, three, four years from now you start making your money back. Or you have something to sell to all the people that are coming through. So you have a Patreon account or you have like a private Discord group or you have, you know, like merch or and things like that. Those are the easiest, and I say that in air quotes because it's, it's still not an easy process, but that's the easiest way to make your money back. It's like, hey, I, I month one, I built up a, an awareness within a group of 100,000 people. We converted 2,000 of them. I think I could sell at least 150 of them on a, on a product, and I make my money back that way. But even that tends to be, like, long-term. So it's very rarely, like, short. You make your money back in the short term when it comes to marketing. Like, very, very, very rarely. Um, unless the artist is already established to a certain degree and that stuff is set up. Or they get, like, a viral moment or something. And the attention from the viral moment kind of, like, covers everything. Like, we've had campaigns where, like, artists have made, like, five times the amount they put into marketing because of stuff like that. And then we've got campaigns where it's like, okay, we put you in a position to make money four months from now or six months from now or ten months from now because we have the, we give you an audience to nurture it to that point to the point to where you can sell them something. That's typically what the role looks like, but it's, it's so hard to like map out for like every client just because the the fan to buying stuff pipeline is a very long pipeline. Like I always tell people like, when is the last time you you discovered an artist and bought something from them immediately? Like it's probably been a very long time. Like it's usually like, hey, I learned about you. I watched you for a while. while I, I talked to you, maybe listen to your music. And then like six months later, I was like, y'all like this dude, I'll buy a t-shirt. Most artists get that when they're looking on the outside. And then when it comes to their situation, they don't understand why it's not happening as fast. It's like, what? Well, yeah, 10,000 people clicked over to your thing, but they all just learned about you this week. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't know you enough yet to want to spend money on you. So a lot of times with clients who want us as a part of their monetization campaigns or want to do something specifically, that's the conversation we have. Like, do you have stuff already in place to sell? And do you have a funnel set up and, you know, is all this stuff managed well? Because if not, then you're not going to make your money back <laughs> right now. You're going to make it back in the future. Like music is a loss leader, like a loss leader business. The game that I've noticed is that people spend a lot of money in the beginning to make a lot of money, like later down the line. So it's like I spend these X amount of hundreds or thousands of dollars to build the audience for me to nurture over the next year and a half. So then two years from now, I make back five X what I put over the last the last two years or so. And so it's a marathon, like to be honest. Like you have to be able to like, be able to afford to do the work and the spending when it's necessary and be able to stick it out long enough to get to a point to where you can make money back off of it. And I'm glad you brought up the point about a marathon because I watched the interview of Nipsey and he said he was spending money to do studio sessions and he was spending money to get himself out of legal trouble and all these different things. And then he realized that when he actually got his first deal, this was before everything, you know, changed with him. 
it, it felt like back pay for everything that you put in. I, d I definitely agree with you on that. And I'm curious to know with those different examples that you that you talked about, what do you think is like, what has worked? Like, what have you seen work when you set up your store or you set up your Patreon or you set up your Discord or whatever? Like, what have you seen work more consistently? I mean, so we personally encourage people to do like Patreon accounts or have some type of like digital product that they can sell. So like exclusive bundle of like unreleased music or like a one-on-one, a, a -on -one, like, I don't know, like one-on-one -on -one phone call with you. Like something that like, well, not the one-on-one -on -one call, but something that like you can scale pretty easily. Like you only have to make like once or twice and is interesting to your, your audience. So the interesting to your audience part is the part where it's a bit different for, for every client, right? There may be a, like, we had a client once that did a, a music video release party, and he just, like, sold Zoom links to it. Like, he charged, like, $20 for the Zoom link. And all the, his fans got to, like, hang out in the Zoom chat room and, like, just, like, watch the video and, like, just share a screen and, like, ask him questions after. So it was, like, a, this really interesting setup of something that he knew his audience would be down to participate in because he's done little things like that before that showed him they would be willing to do it. That may not work for every artist. Man. Like some, another artist may be like, I'm not paying for it. You know what I'm saying? Like because of the type of people that have attracted themselves. So it's usually about like, and this goes back to the time aspect of it. Like what have you branded yourself around or what have you seen that your audience seems to be generally interested in that you can monetize in a way that makes sense to your brand? So like, if you're like, a lot of my fans are like young kids who are into video games. Maybe I should sell like video game controller skins to them or something, right? With my logo on it, or my album artwork on it, something like that, right? So you can get credit with the product, the products and stuff, but the digital aspect, unreleased content, exclusive content, something that people can't get somewhere else is, is one of the, the easier go-tos. People have been trained to look at content that way because of stuff like Netflix and Hulu and, and shit like that, right? So they're not like people aren't like unused to content being hidden behind a paywall at this point. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's a very natural experience. You're like, oh, okay, there's a there's something I can't see unless I spend money to see it. Okay, if I like you enough to, to do it, if I like you enough, I'll, I'll spend money to see that thing. So I mean, that can usually be scaled pretty easily. If you realize that, hey, I can spend this money to get 20 people to click through this thing, I can I can just scale it from there and assume that I'll get X whatever return based on what I put in. So that stuff I like, and then that kind of ties into like the Patreon account stuff where like you can build out different tiers of like experiences or digital products or things like that that makes sense for like every budget level. And then the new thing that we've been seeing come up with some clients is like paid Discord groups. Like people are paying to be a part of their community, which makes sense. It's just interesting to see that kind of like trickle down to like music and, and, and like the influencer space, right? So, but that I haven't seen a lot of clients do, but like we've seen enough do it and even just met artists that do it to be like, okay, this is cool. This is, this is kind of happening, you know, and coming up. But yeah, I believe in like digital, like a digital product or a unique physical product are usually because unique physical products are seen as like collectibles. I mean, the digital product just like matches like what they've already been trained to think about based on like all the other shit they do outside of me. Like I said, their Netflix accounts, their Hulu accounts and stuff like that. No, that's fire, man. That's really, that, that does a great point. I mean, you drop in all the info. So I appreciate you. So I'm going to just ask you how people can connect with you and then we'll wrap it. Yeah. So the best way to, to tap in is just follow me on here. You know what I'm saying shoot me a DM, leave a comment, something like that. If you're looking to do a marketing campaign with the agency, the link will be in my bio, but outside of that, it's country brand agency. Go through, you'll see like a nice little application. You can fill it out. And then somebody will get back to you and I like talk to you and walk you through stuff. Okay, so we got a question. Thank you. The question is, is variety of content important or should artists stick with what works? Both, honestly. So I think 
finding something that works for you gives you the foundation to be able to experiment. You experiment until you find something that works. You continue doing the thing that works, and then you experiment on top of that until you find another thing that works. And then you keep doing both of those things, and you, you rinse and repeat the process until you have a bunch of different things that, that, that now work for you. But I believe that once you find something that is working, like deep that shit into the ground until it doesn't work anymore. Well, like I said, you experiment to find something that could cover that base or do something that that content doesn't do or perform well once the other idea kind of burns out or just gives you, like I said, now two pieces of content ideas that both help you grow and kind of scale certain things. Yeah, no, I feel like that. I think that's a good answer. I think you have to just use your intuition and you have to look at the data though at the same time. You have to make like creative assumptions and be like, why is this working and why isn't this working and start to double down on the things that work. And then like Corey said, experiment because that's all this is at the end of the day. And that's why it takes time. And that's why it's important to be in it for the long run. I'll say too, really quick on that. It, it depends on the platform as well. Like a platform like TikTok, you have a lot more leeway to be repetitive because of, you know, like trends are a thing on there. People are used to seeing like series and stuff. So you can really take one idea you have and like beat that idea into the ground until it doesn't work anymore. Versus like something like a YouTube or an Instagram, you can reuse certain ideas, but you may have to reuse them in like, in like longer time windows because of people's expectations on these platforms. So like that's always another thing to keep in mind is like what platform you're trying to do that with. But other than that, like, yeah, the, the, the general answer pretty much applies. Like do both, find something that works, run it until it doesn't work anymore and experiment on top of that. Cause that, that's going to give you the, the brain freedom to be able to experiment and try this stuff. Yeah. And I would say, I would say too, what I've experimented with, with artists that I work with is like using music content where you're actually performing the music as like an ad within your own video. So yeah. if you have a video playing and it could be about whatever, it could be, people's feedback of one of your songs. It could be how you worked in the studio the other night, but you can cut like a snippet of whatever song is really doing well for you and place it in between that storyline or that story arc that you have for the other content because it breaks it up. And also it gets people like, if it gets recommended to somebody and they don't know who you are, they can see like, oh, this is the work you put in, but also this is like the output or the sound that you are. So. Yeah. That's all I got, man. Thank you for your time. I'm going to just wrap it. Once again, y'all, this is the Creative Breakthrough Podcast, and I'm your host, Kosh. If you want to stick around for more conversations like this, all you have to do is follow me, and I do this podcast every week. The goal is to eliminate the starving artist, the starving creative in whatever industry that they're in. So, Corey, appreciate you, man. Yeah, thank you, bro. You enjoy your day. You be safe, man. Thanks. You too. Peace.